0: The New York Times attacks Mount Rushmore, just like I said they would. The Black Lives Matter organization finally comes under fire, and China ends Hong Kong's freedom. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Go do it right now. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. Okay, so... We are approaching July 4th, and as I discussed yesterday on the program, July 4th is well worth celebrating. Independence Day is well worth celebrating because it celebrates the fundamental principles espoused by the United States at, at its inception, not completely fulfilled for huge swaths of Americans, but fulfilled gradually over time. We talked yesterday on the program specifically about July 4th and what it meant, the principles of inalienable rights, pre-existing government, the idea of equality before the law, equality in those rights, and the notion of a government that was created to protect... Those God given rights. That is worthy of celebration on July 4th. Well, the alternative perspective, which is that America is not worth celebrating, has obviously gained a foothold in the United States, a massive foothold in the United States. But it's not just that. There's a certain vitriol that comes along with this perspective on America that is truly incredible. I'm going to read you a little bit from a piece by Jamila Lemieux. And I, I normally don't read from Slate because Slate is obviously. a a left-wing publication, it's an openly partisan publication, so there's not much to discover there. But there's a mindset that is worthy of evaluation here that I think is exposed in this care and feeding column, right? The, the advice columnist over at Slate. So the title of this column is, my kid's dad is a Trumper. Should I criticize him openly or keep it civil? I've been trying to instill my liberal values without disparaging their father, but these times call for more. Okay, So the basic premise of this particular advice question is, I'm divorced. My husband is a Donald Trump supporter. My new husband and I are liberal. My kids come over and they have heard one perspective from their dad. And now I want to give them the other perspective. Should I be polite about it? So the column says, here's here's the question. I have three young kids, 10, 9, and 6, whom I adore. Due to life circumstances, they live mostly with their dad for the school year. I see them often. They live with me and their stepdad during the summers and breaks. My husband and I are very liberal. My kid's dad is very conservative, like Trump supporter conservative. In my time with the kids, I talk politics a lot and do my best to instill my values while also being very careful not to say anything bad about their dad or his beliefs. For example, if they mention something their dad told them, I focus on saying what I disagree with and why, rather than saying what I really think, such as that belief is immoral. But I can tell that their dad isn't exactly reciprocating. They've said some things that make me pretty sure he's just vilifying Democrats and liberals every chance he gets. They're young, so nuance is lost on them. I feel like I'm playing the long game by being the one who never disparages the other side. But given what the other side is doing these days, I'm wondering if I should play hardball too. How do I handle this? Politics and Parenting. Here's the answer. Dear Politics and Parenting, the Democratic Party could write a book about what happens when you try to keep to the high road and be the one who never disparages the other side. Spoiler alert, it ends with over 100,000 Americans dead with COVID and millions more who might be considered brain dead. To paraphrase a man who waged a wholly unnecessary war on Iraq and may end up becoming one of your kids' idols if you don't act fast, the high road really ain't high if it means negotiating with terrorists. You feel me? Do your best to emphasize the other things that are good about your ex and the importance of loving him in spite of his values. Be careful to differentiate between bad politics and bad people, which is bullsh**, is what she writes, which is bull bleep, but your children can grow up and decide to discard their father for being a deplorable when they are old enough to realize the two cannot be separated and that the idea that they can is a myth that white folks have been spreading to the detriment of everyone for far too long. This isn't a here's why daddy sucks thing. It's here's why conservative values are evil. You need to make the moral depravity and xenophobia of the right wing as painstakingly clear to your kids as you possibly can, whenever you can. This is more than hardball. This is a battle for the souls of your children. And I say, do anything and everything you can do to win it. If that includes being the parent who gives the best gifts and and lets them stay up the latest and eat the most junk food, so be it. If your children become MAGA supporters, you will never be able to live with yourself. And most of us won't be able to live with you either. This is war. Godspeed, comrade. Now, the reason I read that is because I think that that lies at the heart of a lot of the radical left that we are watching these days. A perspective that the America that was based on the Declaration of Independence, a perspective on American history rooted in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States, a belief that natural rights pre-exist government, a belief that what we should be seeking is equality before the law, not equal outcome after the law is is twisted and changed. That is perceived as, as legitimately evil, legitimately evil by a vast swath of human beings in the United States. That if you disagree with this, that you that America's bad, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad place, a racist, terrible place filled with bigotry and that all the systems of America are at root corrupt, then that means that you're morally depraved. You're xenophobic. In fact, it justifies giving your children childhood diabetes and sleep deprivation in order to prevent them from believing the kinds of things that would force them to vote for Donald Trump or lead them to vote for somebody like Donald Trump. Now, I know a lot of Trump supporters. I know tons and tons of Trump supporters. I know tons of conservatives, people who voted for George W. Bush twice, or voted for Mitt Romney, voted for John McCain, and weren't even in love with Trump. Or just pulled the trigger for, or didn't pull the trigger for him. I know tons of conservatives. I do not know a conservative who fits this description as a human being. I do not know a, a conservative who fits this description. But this is the myth, the mythical conservative that has been created in the minds of so many people on the left. Because again, if you believe that America is at root evil, then your obligation becomes "quote unquote" resistance your obligation becomes tearing down the systems. And if that means the stalin task of separating children from their parents, teaching their children that their parents are bad human beings, if it means that you have to tell kids that their parents are bad for believing a different thing about tax rates or believing that America isn't at root evil, then you do it. Because after all, this is war. And again, this is, I think, just saying the quiet part out loud for a lot of folks. I don't think this represents the vast majority of liberals in the country. I think there are still liberals. This is why I always separate on the show between liberals and leftists. There are liberals in the country who still believe in open conversation and who don't attribute evil morality to people that they disagree with. But there are an awful lot of people on the left, and the hard left is gaining not just a foothold, but maybe a dominant position in American politics today that believe exactly this. This is war. In war, all is justified. All is fair. And if that means that you have to castigate the father of your children— as a a person you chose to have children with, as a terrible human being, then you do it. Okay, that is not... Can anyone think that this is going to be a livable country with that sort of perspective? Does anyone think this is going to be a livable country with that sort of perspective? And that is the perspective. On the one side are all the good, morally decent, righteous people. And on the other side is innate evil. On the other side are all the deplorables, all the terrible, truly bad people on planet Earth. Now, number one, this is such a self-flattering perspective for a lot of folks on the hard left. And the self-flattering perspective comes from the idea, again, that while they have been shaped by evil systems, they stand apart from the systems. They're sort of citizens apart. They're better than everyone else and more intelligent than everyone else. That's the only way you can come to this conclusion, because in in the view of these folks, they hold a higher morality, such a high morality. There's a great thread today, on Twitter, from Robert, uh, from the professor, the McCormick professor over at Princeton University in ethics, Robert George. It's It's a really terrific thread about how people tend to perceive their own morality. And it is, it is correct. He tweets out today, I sometimes ask students what their position on slavery would have been had they been white and living in the South before abolition. Guess what? They all would have been abolitionists. They all would have bravely spoken out against slavery and worked tirelessly against it. Of course, this is nonsense. Only the tiniest fraction of them or any of us, would have spoken up against slavery or lifted a finger to free the slaves. Most of them and us would have gone along. Many would have supported the slave system and happily benefited from it. So I respond by saying that I will credit their claims if they can show evidence of the following, that in leading their lives today, they have stood up for the rights of unpopular victims of injustice, whose very humanity is denied, and where they have done so knowing, one, it would make them unpopular with their peers, two, they would be loathed and ridiculed by powerful, influential individuals and institutions in our society, three, they would be abandoned by many of their friends, Four, they would be called nasty names. And five, they would risk being denied valuable professional opportunities as a result of their moral witness. In short, my challenge is to show where they have at risk to themselves and their futures stood up for a cause that is unpopular in elite sectors of our culture today. And the answer, of course, is virtually no one does that. That is very rare because human beings are at root sinful. And one of the great flaws of leftist thinking is the belief that innate human sin disappears as long as you change the system. That human beings aren't sinful human beings aren't bad, that you are a better person. You have been changed by your own thought process on politics beyond the capacity for human sin, which, of course, puts you on the side of the angels and all of your opponents on the side of the devil. This is a religious philosophy at this point. That piece and Slate, it's a good indicator of religious philosophy about politics that is absolutely unsustainable on any logical level. Absolutely unsustainable. Okay, we're going to get to how that sort of attitude has now infused our major institutions of our society. Right, which shows these, these folks aren't the resistance anymore. Okay, the, fo- the hard left is not the resistance. The hard left is the culture. The counterculture is conservative at this point. The dominating heights of our institutional culture are dominated by the hard left. Our media are dominated by the hard left, dominated. Hollywood is dominated by the hard left. Corporate boards are dominated by either people who are willing to cave to the hard left or members of the hard left. The culture is no longer with conservatives. It is with the hard left. The culture has shifted beneath the feet of conservatives who are so worried about electing Republicans that they forgot that the way that hearts and minds change is through the cultural system. And so all of the institutions that conservatives naturally dominate have fallen away. Churches have lost constituents or indeed caved to leftist values. Corporations, where you would think businesses, where you would think that conservatives would dominate have caved to the outside cultural pressure to perform leftist woke signaling. what we are watching right now is the same thing that happened in the universities in the 1960s. The student protesters became the professors and the administrators. The commanding heights of the culture have now been taken over by the hard left. I'm going to show you examples of this in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that sleep is a little bit hard to come by these days. The news is incredibly terrifying and depressing all at once. Plus, if you've got kids, they're waking you up at all hours of the night. I know I have several of them. Helix Sleep, this is what you need. They've got a quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete. They match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a hot sleeper, whether you like a plush or a firm bed, with Helix, there is no more guessing and no more compromising. Helix Sleep is rated the number one mattress by GQ and Wired Magazine. CNN called it the most comfortable mattress they've ever slept on. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Ben, take their two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. But... Indeed, you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners. Get up to $200 off at helixsleep.com slash Ben. That's helixsleep.com slash Ben. helixslee com slash Ben. The mattress is great. I know it's great because I have one. My wife and I customized the mattress just for us. It is fantastic. We love sleeping on it. Helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use that slash Ben to get up to $200 off. And it, it's guaranteed. This thing is going to be fantastic. You're going to love it. Okay, so, the, the moral gap that now exists in our society in which an entire sector of society that sneers at the entire other side as immoral, as bad human beings. like I, I've, I thought for a long time this is a real differentiating factor. I've written about this for probably, at this point, decades. The, the differentiating factor between right and left is that the right tends to think the left is wrong and the left tends to think the right is evil. The entire culture is now dominated by people who think that the right is full-out evil. And this means censorship. It means censorship. CNN, a supposedly free speech outlet, right? They're whining and bitching every single day about the fact that President Trump is mean to them. Oh, it's a threat to the press. Oh, he's going to shut down the press when he's done nothing except raise their ratings. Hey, okay, CNN put out a headline yesterday about the advertiser boycotts of Facebook over hate speech. Their headline was, here's a list of companies who have not, who have not canceled Facebook yet. Hey, okay, the yet is the key word there. That's an activist headline. That's an activist headline. And that's what these media outlets have become. They are activists. They are activists of the hard, woke left who believe that everything must be crushed in their path toward a utopian system that generates better human beings. So everyone can be like them. Everybody can be part of the Borg. All you have to do is simply give away your autonomy and your ability to think as 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 an individual human being. And you have to buy into the narrative that your own individual problems and everybody's individual problems, everybody's individual sins, that is not a result of innate human nature or individual choice. That is a result of the evils of the system. And so every statue has to come down because those statues are part of the system. Mount Rushmore should come. Now, I'm old enough to remember when I said that Mount Rushmore would be attacked. Within the next week, there'd be people who were calling for the destruction of Mount Rushmore. And Governor Kristi Noem of South Dakota, she tweeted back, not on my watch. Well, now she's going to get a chance to prove it. The New York Times has an entire front page article today, at least on their website, called How Mount Rushmore Became Mount Rushmore. The entire article is about how Mount Rushmore is evil. Mount Rushmore was built on land that belonged to the Lakota tribe and sculpted by a man who had strong bonds with the Ku Klux Klan. This is a tweet from the New York Times. It features the faces of two US presidents who were slaveholders. Ah, so it's time to blow it up. Let me just note the New York Times is built on land appropriated from Native American peoples for a handful of beads. That's the New York Times building. They're free to hand it back anytime they please. The New York Times was complicit in the Soviet regime to the point where one of their own reporters, Walter Duranty, won a Pulitzer Prize for covering for, for the Holodomor, the, the destruction of Ukrainian peasantry in the great collectivization of the early 1930s. The New York Times is a heap, and it has been for a very, very long time. So when, do they, when, when are they gonna knock down their building and hand it back to the Native American tribes from whence it was taken? When are they gonna do it? The answer is never, of course but they are, they are great people over at the New York Times. They never have to think about such things. All the statues have to be knocked down because after all, those statues are emblems of a system, a system before which there was nothing but Rousseauian state of nature in which everyone lived in peace and harmony, which is absolute ahistoric nonsense. By the way, worth noting about Mount Rushmore. I love this to say, Mount Rushmore was built on land that belonged to the Lakota tribe. The Lakota tribe gained that land in 1775 by expropriating it from another tribe which in turn, historically speaking, had expropriated it from another tribe. So it turns out that conquest, human immiseration, has been the constant throughout all of human history, virtually every culture. But because we have now created the world's best people, the most morally the most morally wise people in the history of humanity, they can stand atop the pile and they can say that they are different and they know that they are products of an evil civilization, a particularly evil civilization. Over in Columbus, Ohio, they've now taken down a 22-foot-tall st- statue of Christopher Columbus after the city's mayor called for it to come down. By the way, this is happening in, in, in Columbus, Ohio. They removed the Columbus statue in Columbus, Ohio, which I guess I guess they will call it Flaverton, which is exciting news. They removed this statue. Why? Not because they're so concerned with the predations of Christopher Columbus as a human being. I don't see any FDR statues coming down these days, and FDR was responsible for the imprisonment of 100,000 Japanese Americans. Okay, but but Christopher Columbus has to come down. Why? Specifically because of what he was put up for. See, this is the thing. This is the thing. Statues are generally erected. Okay, not Confederate statues, which are a bit of a different story, which I'll explain in a second. Statues that are coming down now, the ones that are really controversial, the Columbus statues, the Washington statues, the, the Thomas Jefferson statues, those statues, the Lincoln statues, those are erected in tribute to the good things that sprang from the actions of the men who are being honored with the statue. When you erect a statue of Christopher Columbus, it is, not a, it, it is not a statue of a saint. It is not an icon. People don't go to that statue and worship, right? There's a difference. People go to many different places on earth where there are statues of saints and pictures of saints, and they worship there. Right? The iconography is, is a long history in human worship. Erecting a statue of Christopher Columbus, nobody was walking by that statue and bowing their head in prayer and saying, pray on my behalf, Christopher. No one was doing that because he's not a religious figure. Christopher Columbus was an important figure because he brought Western civilization to the Western hemisphere. This is, for civilization, a very good thing. That does not mean that it came without brutality or that it came without cost, because brutality and cost are endemic to human nature. But to disown Western civilization, which is really what you're trying to do when you tear down a statue of Columbus, because let's all be frank about this. The people who are tearing down the statues of Columbus, it's not because they are reading the journals of 16th century Spanish monks criticizing, criticizing Christopher Columbus. That is not why they're doing this. They're not reading De Las Casas. And then going, you know, Christopher, it turns out he's a bad guy. That's not what's happening here. What's happening is they don't like the West, and therefore they are trying to tear down the symbols of the West, including Christopher Columbus. It's why the Boston Art Commission just voted unanimously, not like 5-3, they voted unanimously to remove the Emancipation Memorial in Park Square on Tuesday night. The Emancipation Memorial in Boston is a direct, it's a direct copy of the Emancipation Memorial in Washington, D.C., a statue designed by a Charleston, Massachusetts native named Thomas Ball and dedicated in 1876, paid for by freed slaves and, and spoken at the inauguration of by Frederick Douglass. This is removed. Why was this removed? Not because of why they say it was removed. So the people who are, who are doing this, they say that this was removed because people are uncomfortable with the statue and its reductive representation of the black man's role in the abolitionist movement, this is according to Mayor, Mayor Marty Walsh. That is not why it's being removed. The reason it's being removed because Anybody who perceives that America had a role in ending slavery, even in America, or that America did a good thing in ending slavery, or that Abraham Lincoln did a good, humane thing in ending slavery, is not ripping into the system. Lincoln, because he was president, is a symptom of an evil system. It doesn't matter that he fought within the system to end the system of slavery. The system itself is the evil. And so if you are, a, if you are an advocate for the system, if you believe that the system actually is good and that we strayed from founding principles, well, then that makes you bad, too. You are now part of the system. You are just as evil as that dad that they were talking about in Slate magazine. You're the bad. This is the the great fight. You want to talk about the cultural war that is happening right now in the country? This is the cultural war that is happening in the country. A post-American America versus an America that does root itself in Americanism. As we approach July 4th, that's what this battle is all about. I'm mentioning, I have a book coming out July 21st. It's all about this, how to destroy America in three easy steps the destruction of America's culture, history, and philosophy. Those things are continuing the pace. That is what we are watching right now, tearing down America about our ears. Now, other countries have experienced post, post-European Europe, right? There's something that was a major crisis for Europe. It led to a massive migration of people who are not necessarily instilled with European values and has led to tremendous culture clash, waves of crime, serious living problems in places in Europe, for sure. It a country that cannot stand up for its fundamental principles or refuses to stand up for its fundamental principles puts itself at risk. To take an example, in Israel, this was a big issue. In Israel, there was sort of a post-Zionist period in Israel where a bunch of people decided that Israel, well, maybe, should we have had it? Should Israel have been a thing that we established? Maybe we shouldn't have established it after all. And the, and the voters in Israel started electing very left-wing governments that apologized for Israel's existence. The result was that Israel's enemies were emboldened. Israel's enemies emboldened then proceeded to kill a lot of Israelis, which resulted in a snapback Where Israelis recognized, oh, wait, maybe there's a reason we exist. And so now virtually the entire Israeli populace is center right. The same thing is happening right now in the United States. We are living through a period of post Americanism America, where a huge, where generations of Americans have been taught it is a sign of virtue to disown your Americanism. You're a citizen of the world. You're a citizen of goodness above and beyond any culture that created you. And you have to tear your sign of strength is, as Shelby Steele says, dissociation. If you dis- if you dissociate from the American system, that is a sign that you are powerful. Now, understand that that is not a risk. That is not a, a risky scenario for you. You get rewarded for that in the culture. This is why I say it's important to note that counterculture is now the culture. There is no risk in saying any of this. There is no, if, if you go out there in public and you say things like, you know, Mount Rushmore was expropriated Native American land. So, you know, if people say it should be torn down, we should think about it. There is no risk in the culture for you to say that. If you say right now in the culture, Mount Rushmore is a signifier of the greatness of many American presidents because America is indeed a great country and the American flag stands for freedom, there is a shot you will be fired from your job at many corporations these days. I'm getting notes from people all over the country right now that if you simply say, yes, I believe that black lives matter, but the police are by and large virtuous people attempting to keep law in order. And if they disappear, people die. You could get fired for that. Okay, We know what the poles of power have shifted in the culture. Republicans focus so much on winning the political... The, people always wonder in the Republican Party, I get this question all the time. Why is it Republicans keep winning elections and yet the culture keeps shifting to the left? Because you're focusing on the wrong battle. This is not the correct battle. You can win as many elections as you want. If the ground keeps shifting under your feet, you're just shifting the deck chairs on the Titanic. That's all you're doing. You need to shore up the hole at the bottom of the Titanic. That means re-educating yourself about the United States and not buying into the lie that America is uniquely evil. Now, another... Another example of, of people portraying America as uniquely evil as part of the broader broad Black Lives Matter rubric, which, again, it's amazing how the linguistic trick of taking Black Lives Matter, that phrase, which, of course, is inarguable, of course, Black Lives Matter, and then piling on top of it in the in the words of Vinny from My Cousin Vinny. Is there any more bleep we can pile on top of this? Right. Is there any more any more bleep we can pile on top of the basic truth that Black Lives Matter? because we're going to pile on top of it neo-marxism, we're going to pile on on top of it how america sucks, we're going to pile on top of it slavery or reparations, we're just going to pile everything on top of it. Defund the police. You start from this you start from this one very easy point of agreement and then boom, you just blow it up beyond all recognition. We'll get to that in just 1 second. First, Let's talk about the fact that when you go to the bathroom, I hope, presumably, you close the door because your privacy is your business. You wouldn't want random passersby taking a peek. Why would you want people to take a peek at your internet activity? Using the internet without ExpressVPN, it's like going to the bathroom and not closing the door. Inappropriate for you and not great for everyone else. Did you know the internet service providers like Comcast, Verizon, they know every single website you visit? What's worse, they can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who will use this data to target you. ExpressVPN puts a stop to this. It creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. So your online activity can't be seen by anyone. I use ExpressVPN on all my devices. It works on everything. Phones, laptops, routers, everyone who shares your Wi-Fi could be protected even if they don't have ExpressVPN if you put it on your router. The best part is using ExpressVPN, it's as easy as closing that door. Just fire up the app, click one button, you are now protected. By the way, lots of people after your credit card information these days, this is not a great time to lose your credit card information to hackers basically it never is, go check out ExpressVPN right now. Go to expressvpn.com slash Ben today. When you use that exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash Ben, you can get an extra three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben, expressvpn.com slash Ben. Okay, so more examples of the, of the cultural dominance of the perspective that America is evil and that you are good if you dissociate from America. Long, long feature article in the New York Times magazine called America's Enduring Caste System. Our founding ideals promise liberty and equality for all. Our reality is an enduring racial hierarchy that has persisted for centuries. Okay, so again, the idea is that our founding ideals, they are a lie. They were always a lie. They remain a lie. Nothing has changed. And this article is just another example of the bizarre notion that nothing has changed over time. You'll find a hallmark of these articles, which I've read on the air over and over again, is... Be taking of a bad, a horrible, horrible situation in 1890. And then just fast forwarding to 2020 and going, nothing has changed. And it's something Anna Duvernay does in the documentary, The 13th. She'll talk about slavery and then she'll immediately fast forward and go. And then Michael Brown. It's like, whoa, a few things happened between slavery and Michael Brown. You might want to like review your history like that much, that much in order to be semi honest. But the point, of course, is not to be honest. The point is to give yourself the feeling of virtue this is why you see so many white woke liberals jumping on board with this nonsense to give yourself the feeling of self-righteous virtue because you have dissociated. You have now dissociated from America. Okay, so this article likens America to homeowners who inherited a house on a piece of land that is beautiful on the outside, but whose soil is unstable loam and rock, heaving and contracting over generations. Cracks, patch, but the deeper ruptures waved away for decades, centuries even. Okay, the deeper ruptures waved away for decades, centuries even? Really, because... It seems to me that a lot of those ruptures have been repaired. And when I say a lot of those ruptures, I mean 600,000 Americans died in the Civil War. I mean, we had a civil rights movement and a civil rights act that completely rewrote the constitutional bargain of the United States and allowed government to do things it had never done before and should, and, and frankly, run way beyond what the Constitution would generally allow in order to rectify these ruptures. But the idea is nothing has changed. This columnist says, many people may rightly say, I had nothing to do with how all of this started. I have nothing to do with the sins of the past. My ancestors never attacked indigenous people, never owned slaves. And yes, not one of us was here when this house was built. Our immediate ancestors may have had nothing to do with it, but here we are, the current occupants of a property with stress cracks and bowed walls and fissures in the foundation. We are the heirs to whatever is right or wrong with it. We did not erect the uneven pillars or joists, but they are ours to deal with now. Okay, this this entire metaphor is entirely wrong. The reason the metaphor is wrong is because whatever inequalities we can address today because we don't have time machines. Okay, if you'd invent a time machine, I'm happy to go back to the past and we can talk about alleviating problems in the past. But... We don't have a time machine. So the question is, what can we do today to alleviate the systems that are that are causing inequality? And I'm not hearing a lot of answers other than people simply shouting at the moon that the systems themselves are bad. And when you say, okay, you know what? I I agree with you on some of these police brutality stuff. See, here's the thing: Republicans keep granting the premise. So they'll say things like, I'll agree with you on the policy. Sure, let's what sure, why not? And then the goalposts keep moving because guess what? This has nothing to do with policy. It has nothing to do with policy. The United States has spent tens of trillions of dollars on anti-poverty programs. Last I checked, may- may- I'm sorry, may have spent five trillion dollars in the war on poverty. It was the last statistic I checked. It may be a lot higher now, given all of the uh, the late spending. But at least five trillion dollars spent in the war on poverty. OK, that that is a lot of money, completely restructuring the federal state bargain in the process. That is a that is a major move. The notion that structural inequalities have not been tackled at any level, the notion that we have not changed law and systems is insane. Again, the premise of this piece is that we haven't changed anything underlying. We haven't shored up the foundations. We haven't changed the foundations, except that we have, except that we have. This article says, like other old houses, America has an unseen skeleton, its case system, which is essential to its operation, as are the studs and joists that we cannot see in the physical buildings we call home. Caste is the infrastructure of our divisions. It is the architecture of human hierarchy, the subconscious code of instructions for maintaining, in our case, a 400-year-old social order. There it is. There it is, right? The entire American social order is built on sexism, racism, bigotry, homophobia. It must be torn down. At a certain point, the house can't be supported. You just have to tear down the house and build a new house. Because that's what you would do. I mean, the, the metaphor is the house, right? The metaphor is a house that is built on unstable foundations. That means you got to raise it. The best, the, the most incredible, ignorant, insane part of this piece. Throughout human history, three case systems have stood out. The lingering, millenniums-long case system of India, the tragically accelerated, chilling and officially vanquished case system of Nazi Germany, and the shape-shifting, unspoken race-based case pyramid in the United States. Really, those are the three that stand out. The U.S., Nazi Germany, and India, where they have actual untouchables. There's There are no other case systems that you can think of, other than in virtually every civilization on planet Earth, <laughs> other than... Virtually all of human history where cases existed. This is is insane. It's patently insane. Again, that does not excuse a prior case. But again, the case does not exist in the United States. That case does not exist in any formalized fashion. All of human sin cannot be healed by simply changing the systems. But even if it could, the United States has changed its system radically since 1964 to pretend otherwise is historically ignorant or deliberately dishonest. And I think we all know that it may be a little bit of both. In a second, we're going to get to supposed changes to the system that would fix this. But of course, it's not about changing the system. It is about the narrative. It's about a feeling of self righteousness. It's about being part of the post-America America, the post-American America, the post-American ideals America, the post July Fourth America. And that is the goal here. We're going to get to more of this in just and, and the entire. I mean, it, some of the people who are pressing this—it's truly incredible. We'll get to that in just one second. First, hiring can be difficult. But if you're a company that's currently trying to hire, you face new difficulties from safely reopening your doors to finding the right person for a specialized role. We're all trying to get back to work right now. You need a company that's going to help you find the best job or help you find the best employee. If you're an employer, you need to turn to ZipRecruiter. HousingWire can relate. They needed an ambitious reporter to cover news stories on the U.S. mortgage and housing markets, so they went to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's smart matching technology finds people with the right experience for your job. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. That's how HousingWire found Alexandra Roja. Alexandra never imagined she, sh- she could get a reporter job in the midst of COVID-19 because hiring was frozen. So she created a profile on ZipRecruiter and ZipRecruiter matched her to HousingWire reporter's job because her degree and writing skills were a really good fit for the role and she got hired. And we use ZipRecruiter here at The Daily Wire. It's why all of our employees know that at a moment's notice, they could be replaced with somebody more skilled at their job. ZipRecruiter can help you make your business better or help you find the job you've been looking for. See how uh, ZipRecruiter can help you hire. Try it now for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. Go check them out right now. Okay, so the the effect, uh, this is why the press has been for completely useless solutions because any solution shores up the system. Any solution shores up the system. So think about this from a political analog. There are a lot of people on the left who believe that anything that goes right in America is bad for the country because in the end it benefits Trump. And there are a lot of people right now who believe that if the economy were to recover, that would be very bad for the country long-term or even midterm because it would benefit Trump and he might get reelected, which would do more long-term damage. There's a whole perspective about America that says that if the American system is bad and evil, then anything that is good about the American system is actually bad because that is upholding a system that promulgates bad. Anything that is good we, we can't even acknowledge the good America does because that might lead people to be to be complacent about these evil, evil systems. And so we're not going to fix any of the problems. So here's the thing. Most people kind of have an idea on how to fix some of the inequalities that exist in American life. And most people kind of figure, you know what? If people are going to bad schools, you know what we should do? We should fix the schools. You know, it's one way to fix the schools. Give people vouchers and school choice. But nobody wants to pursue that. Most people agree that if we're going to talk about police brutality, we should have more transparent data. We should... Think about qualified immunity, right? Most people, and, and how, we, how we change that slightly, right? Most people, if you, if you get to specifics, you can find agreement. But the point of our modern politics is not to find agreement. It is to exacerbate disagreement. And that is why you see the Democrats focused in, not on getting 75% of what they want in a police reform bill that the Republicans put forward. Instead, Democrats are very excited to do a few things, right? They're excited to, for example, push forward a House resolution that would set up a committee to investigate slavery reparations which is not going to happen, right? It's not a policy that is going to take place. And frankly, any race discriminatory policy is probably unconstitutional in the United States right now. But this is what Democrats are pushing. So Sheila Jackson Lee, who is a representative out of, out of um, Texas, uh, she, she's Texas' 18th district. Sheila Jackson Lee yesterday, she suggested that America needs to pay reparations, which of course is about how America is deeply and endemically evil. We are 150 five years removed from slavery in the United States. And we are now almost six decades removed from the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And Sheila Jackson Lee says that America needs to pay reparations, race reparations. Make no mistake. Here she is explaining why she's pushing forward this House resolution, which, again, is not designed to do anything. It's designed to simply push the message that America is endemically bad. This 13 member commission established by the federal government answers the question that is not the individual act of holding slaves. It is the government sanction that denied African-Americans their equality, and as well, the government's responsibility with this 13-member commission to design the responses to the continued death, murder, and inequities in our community. This is America's responsibility to pay, the American government's responsibility to pay her debt. Okay, so it's America's responsibility because America, has never, has never rectified its sins. America is endemically evil and nothing has changed. Okay, can I just point something out about Sheila Jackson Lee? Sheila Jackson Lee, she's not descended from American slaves. Sheila Jackson Lee would not be eligible for reparations if we actually attached reparations to American slavery. Right? If we did it based on race, she'd be eligible. But both her parents were immigrants from Jamaica. She graduated from Jamaica High School in Queens. She earned a BA in political science from Yale University in 1972 and a JD from the University of Virginia Law School. Okay, that does not sound like a, a wildly unprivileged, difficult life. It doesn't. That doesn't mean she hasn't overcome obstacles. I'm sure she has. I'm sure she has, because most people do. But this is not somebody who is kept down by the American system. She's a 13-term congressperson, a 13-term congressperson, who is the, who is the child of immigrants from another country. Right? The, the notion that she's standing there talking about the endemic evils of the United States and that we need to pay reparations on the basis of race. What that really is about is it's not about solving any of the problems. It's not, it's not about problem solving at this point. It's not even close to about problem solving. By the way, even advocates of reparations like ta Coates suggest that paying reparations wouldn't solve any of the problems. It'd mostly be a symbolic move. Well, the symbolism is, again, what? The great, 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 great grandchildren of people who did not enslave anybody paying the great, 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 great grandchildren of people who may have been slaves or who may not have been in America at all. What is that about? What that's about is dividing America. It's about suggesting that slavery is not a blot on America's past. It is the heart of America's past. Right? That is the idea here. And this is why you see the left also refusing to separate off from the Black Lives Matter organization. Now, again, we could all find agreement. We could all find agreement on all this stuff. Slavery, evil, Jim Crow, evil, systems of discrimination that you can name and point out. They're like racist systems, evil. We were all on the same page. We all want to fight that stuff. But the goal here is that, again, the underlying narrative is about much more than that. It's about how America itself is unchangeably, unbridgeably evil. Unchangeably and unbridgeably wrong. And this is why you see so many members of the left defending the Black Lives Matter organization when they don't even have to. Now, let's be clear about this. The Black Lives Matter organization is not the same as the slogan Black Lives Matter. The Black Lives Matter organization is a radical Marxist organization. The people who organize Black Lives Matter are openly stated Marxists. And so it is no surprise when the Black Lives Matter organizer calls Trump the terrorist-in-chief on CNN. Hey, here's one of the Black Lives Matter organizers talking about all of this. Donald Trump is the embodiment of white supremacist terrorism. Um, When he is, you know, tweeting videos of people throwing up white power and um, really entrenching himself within the white terrorist movement, you know, for him, again, to call anything hate, um, is really the height of hypocrisy. And, you know, we need as a country to be willing to point to him and say that he is actually the terrorist in chief. Okay, Melina Abdullah, by the way, let's just be clear about this. Melina Abdullah suggested, I'm a member of the KKK when I visited Cal State Los Angeles. She suggested that I was a white supremacist. Everybody is a white supremacist in the view of, of Melina Abdullah. And by the way, she, she also happens to be a far left neo-Marxist. OK, th- this that is not a big surprise. It is not a surprise at all. In fact, that this is the uh, so it is worth mentioning here that the Black Lives Matter organization is not the same as the point Black Lives Matter. Okay, that, that it's not the same thing at all, but this has been swallowed hook, line and sinker by the media specifically because they actually agree with a lot of the critiques of Black Lives Matter org- as an organization, not just the slogan of the organization that America is a deeply systemically evil place. And again, everything is justified in the name of this war. Everything is justified in the name of this war. Even the principles that supposedly good liberal people believe go completely out the window immediately if you're fighting a war. And that's how you have bizarre tape of, of protesters cross-dressing, twerking in front of cops in New York City, and uh, protesters who are not of color, apparently, screaming, at cops, that they are black yes, sir, Judas has to go to school for longer than you do. Oh. Yep. Half of you don't even have a college education to be up? out here. About the people. Half of you don't even have a college education. If you can't hear that, these are protesting protesters screaming at cops that they don't have college education. OK, so you want to talk about classism? You want to talk about bigotry? How about the how about the bizarre notion that you get to scream at police officers for not having a college education? and calling black officers black Judases. But anything is justified in the name of ripping down the system. Because after all, that black cop who may have suffered more racism than you have, because what are you, a privileged kid who went to NYU or something? And now you get the privilege of dancing around in a skirt on the public streets of Manhattan in front of, in front of as, a, as presumably a biological male, in front of, I mean, this, this is like a pretty free world for you. In other words, it doesn't seem like you are suffering these slings and arrows of outrageous fortune here. But you get to shout at that black cop, who I'm sure has suffered much more than you have, in your young life, about how he doesn't have a college education and is a black Judas. Everything is justified when you're attacking the system. Everything is justified when you're attempting to tear down the system. And here's the thing. Again, this is the dominant culture. All will be made to kneel before it. All will be made to kneel before it. Prince Harry will be made to kneel before it. Prince Harry was forced into a hostage video, apparently, by his wife, Meghan Markle. Probably the most privileged person on planet Earth, Prince Harry, is going to lecture us all on systemic racism. Because this is, the, this is the culture, right? You are, you are in the cultural minority if you believe that America is a good place and that the West is worthy of defense. If you believe that America's system is good and has created prosperity and freedom for not just millions, but billions of people around the earth, this puts you in a bad place. If you believe Western civilization has values that are worthy of emulation and teaching, this means you are bad and you are racist. So you will kneel before Zod and you will accept the fact that you are actually part of the system itself. Here's Prince Harry doing exactly that. My wife said recently that our generation and the ones before us haven't done enough to right the wrongs of the past. I too am sorry. Sorry that we haven't got the world to the place that you deserve it to be. Institutional racism has no place in our societies, yet it is still endemic. Unconscious bias must be acknowledged without blame to create a better world for all of you. I want you to know that we are committed to being part of the solution. Look, really? You are? You're, you're like, you, were, you You want to talk about case systems, by the way? That dude is literally rich because he was born that way. His entire family history is he, is he is a prince. Okay, don't lecture me on American case systems when you are a prince. Also, I'm just going to point out here that if you think that, that Prince Harry has any leg to stand on lecturing the rest of us on how Western civilization is bad, you, you just got another thing coming. Now, in a second, we're going to get to, you know, there are real problems on planet Earth. While we're shouting at each other over pronouns, and pretending that America's police are endemically violent and racist and brutal, there are actual real problems in the world. There are real problems in America and abroad. And it turns out that the quote unquote solutions that are being brought by the post-American Americans suck. These solutions are not solutions at all. They exacerbate all of the problems they purport to be alleviating. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that you need to be on top of your data. If you are a if you are a small business owner today or a big business owner today, you need to be on top of your data you cannot afford to be running behind. What you need is NetSuite by Oracle. It's the world's number one cloud business system. Finance, HR, inventory, e-commerce, everything you need, all in one place you save time, money, and headaches. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales, NetSuite will give you visibility and control so you can manage every penny with precision. Join over 20,000 companies who trust NetSuite to go faster with confidence. NetSuite has surveyed hundreds of business leaders, assembled the playbook of the top strategies they are using as America reopens for business. Receive your free guide, seven actions businesses need to take right now. Schedule your free product tour at NetSuite.com Shapiro. Get that free guide. Schedule your free product tour right now at NetSuite.com Shapiro. That is NetSuite.com Shapiro. Go check them out right now. NetSuite.com slash Shapiro. Again, you're a business owner you can't afford to not be up on your data. Your data is what is going to allow you to continue to thrive in a very challenging business environment. Make sure that all of your dis- your business systems are integrated with NetSuite. NetSuite.com/prepare to get your free guide and your free product tour right this very instant. righty, in just a second, we're going to get to another indicator that nobody is talking about solutions because they don't actually give a crap about solutions. This is all about tearing down that rotten house from the foundation as that New York Times piece suggests. But If you're not already a Daily Wire member, you should consider getting a reader's pass to DailyWire.com. It's a great value for only three bucks a month. When you sign up, you get that first month for only 99 cents. You'll also get access to our mobile app, articles ad-free, and access to exclusive editorials like my brand new editorial, which is all about the... the problem with new definition of racism and anti-racism. It's really worth the read. Plus, we have all sorts of articles with uh, uh, I have another one over there about how the Obama administration shattered the rule of law. There's plenty of stuff to read, plenty of stuff to do. Get a reader's pass right now at DailyWire.com. Sign up for just a dollar. Meanwhile, as I've mentioned, you want to order something for yourself, like give yourself something to look forward to over the next three weeks. Go order, pre-order my book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps at DailyWire.com dot com slash Ben. It is, I think, the most important book in the country when it will be released. I think I think you're going to find it incredibly useful. I think you should find it inspiring because it really is about how America is all the things that it was cracked up to be. We didn't always live up to all of our commitments in the founding documents. But America is the greatest country on the face of the earth. It is a ringing endorsement of America and a reminder of how to fight back against the leftist narrative that has taken over the country, the disintegrationist narrative that's tearing us apart right now. It comes out July 21st. It already is on the bestseller charts over at Amazon three weeks early. Go check it out right now over at dailywire.com slash Ben. Go check it out right now. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Alrighty. So the policies, I keep saying that the policies that are being pushed by the disintegrationist left, the policies that that suggest that we get rid of all cops, these are not about alleviating problems. The problems are not there to be solved. The systems must be taken down. So the push of cuts to police is the most counterproductive thing pretty much ever. The notion that you're just going to cut the police, this has been pushed The defund the police movement. is being pushed by the New York Times. It's being pushed by columnists all over the left wing. The suggestion is that the police are bad. The police are useless. The police are unnecessary. Bill de Blasio, idiot communist mayor of New York. He, he gave a, a statement yesterday. He said, it's time to cut the police budget in New York by a billion dollars because young people need to be reached. Not police they need to be reached. Send a social worker to a shooting. It, it's time. The time has come. Social workers to shootings. By the way, worthy of note, over 100 people have been shot in the past couple of weeks in New York. The violent crime rate is rising rapidly. Here is Bill de Blasio being a fool. Our young people need to be reached. They don't need to be policed. They need to be reached and supported and nurtured. And that's what we're doing. Not only a billion dollars you're talking about, another half billion beyond that, to create recreation centers, places young people can go that are positive, to create broadband access for young people in public housing. We've got to do a lot of things differently if we're going to change the reality for some of the internet porn and midnight basketball, that's probably going to solve this stuff. Internet broadband, internet access and midnight basketball. We never tried this stuff back in nineteen back in the 1990s. This was Bill Clinton's big initiative, midnight basketball to make sure that people have a place to go at night to do something that was not crime. It was not actually effective, you know, it was effective putting cops on the streets. The fact is right now in Chicago, 18 people were killed, 47 wounded in drive and walk by shootings last weekend alone. New York City's homicide rate is at a five year high. The number of shooting victims is up 42% through June 21st compared with the same period in 2019. The number of shootings in the first three weeks of June was over twice that of the same period in 2019, making this June the city's, blood- the city's bloodiest in nearly a quarter century, according to The New York Times. Milwaukee's homicides have increased 132%. It's perfectly obvious what is going on. You cut the cops or threaten to cut the cops. You threaten to prosecute every cop who does his job. They're not going to police. And the result is going to be more dead people. But this is the whole thing. It's not about solving one of the problems on the surface. It's about solving the systemic problem. And the systemic problems means you should let the problems on the surface fester because after all, that just exposes the corruption of the system. What you don't want, if you're a member of the post-American left, What you don't want is for the American system to be upheld because you fixed all the boo-boos. You don't want to shore up that house. You don't want to fix the picture frame in that house that has rotting foundations. You want to dynamite the thing. You want it to come down about your ears. Now, the problems that supposedly plague America, let's just be very clear about this. The problems that supposedly plague Americans, the, the freedoms that we are having ripped away from us, the brutal police, the brutal American system, brutal inequality, Hey, China just took over Hong Kong. There are actual problems on planet Earth. China just subjected over 7 million people to abject communist tyranny. That is what Hong, that's what's happening in Hong Kong. According to CNN, Hong Kong was facing up to a new reality on Wednesday after China's central government imposed a sweeping national security law late the night before that critics say stripped the city of its autonomy and pressured civil and social freedoms and cemented Beijing's authoritarian rule over the territory at least 370 people were arrested Wednesday, including 10 on suspicion of violating the national security law. Among those was a 15 year old girl. So they they're now arresting everybody who flies a flag. If you fly a freedom flag in Hong Kong, they will arrest you. According to the wall street journal, they say China's decision to impose its national security law on Hong Kong is a seismic event that goes well beyond the sad fate of its 7.5 million people. The illegal takeover shows that Beijing's communist rulers are willing to violate their international commitments with impunity as they spread their authoritarian model. We say this with regret because we were among those who helped amid China's reform era in the 80s, hoped that the Middle Kingdom could be drawn into a world of peaceful global norms. Hong Kong was a lesson for Beijing to learn from. Now those hopes are crushed. China's communist legislature has imposed the national security law that ends Hong Kong's one country, two systems governance. I've suggested, by the way, that anybody who wants to get out and live a life of freedom should be allowed citizenship in the United States. What we are looking at right now is the complete subjugation of a once free people to tyranny. But don't worry, the real problem in America is obviously policing. It's obviously racist police shootings. Again, grand total, 15 unarmed black people were shot in 2019, according to the Washington Post database of such shootings. 15 in a country of 42 million black people. But we are being told by our intellectual and moral betters, you know, people who will tell our children that we're bad human beings, we're being told that we are racist for pointing out facts like this or for suggesting that America's system is actually free and America's system is actually prosperous. The same people who are lecturing us on Black Lives Matter and the NBA, the LeBron James of the world, are chiding members of their, own, of their own organizations for speaking out on behalf of Hong Kong's freedom. Don't tell me that there's a lot of moral courage to that. You take the check from China and then you say a very, very popular thing among your woke base in the United States. That doesn't sound a lot like moral courage. It sounds mainly like you're the dominant culture in the United States when it comes to politics. That that is the the, the message that takes moral courage is the message that America is filled with flawed people, that America is filled with sinful people, just like every civilization. And that it is our job to find those flaws and find those sins and try to extirpate those. That that it is our job to find racism where where it exists and try to extirpate it. That when when we find a racist law or racist policy, we try to extirpate it. But that America's system is free, that America's system has been driven by the principles of the Declaration. Those principles are not principles that can be alienated. Those are not principles that are worthy of abandonment. Those are principles that are worthy of emulation, of, of upholding. Okay. If, if America's not willing to defend herself, if, if instead America just turns into a slow cultural role toward, toward post-Americanism, then we're done here. We're finished. By the way, there are a couple of Republicans in the Senate who have proposed a bill to make Jun- Juneteenth a national holiday, which I support. That's fine. That's good. That's good. I mean, I've called for it. I was one of the people on Twitter openly calling for it this year. Okay, that, that is a good thing. They also want to get rid of Columbus Day at the same time, which of course completely caves to the leftist perception of America as rooted in fundamental Western evil and cruelty. And that is not that is not a culture that, that can survive. A culture that apologizes for its own existence. And I mean, American culture, not any racial culture, American culture. Any, any country that refuses to stand for it its own existence and and stand for its own principles and recognize its own flaws in a nuanced way while standing for those principles, any country that refuses to do that cannot survive. And I think that's the point. I think there are a lot of people in the dominant culture, not the subculture anymore, the dominant culture who believe that America should not survive as currently constituted. All righty, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, have yourself a July 4th weekend where we actually celebrate the fact that this is, in fact, the greatest nation in the history of the world. We may have forgotten that of late, but it is no less true for us having forgotten it. For us having forgotten it. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, Executive Producer Jeremy Boring, Supervising Producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, Assistant Director Pavel Wydowski, Technical Producer Austin Stevens, Playback and Media Operated by Nick Sheehan, Associate Producer Katie Swinnerton, Edited by Adam Saievitz, Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Our leaders have deserted us. The Trump stands alone. There's evil to the left of him, cowardice to the right. That means we've got to show up this 4th of July to defend and celebrate America. Let's talk about it on The Andrew Claven Show.